Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. And speaking of friends of Limerick Today, the show Limerick in general, and one of these people who, and there aren't too many of them of our, in Ireland, who are known by their first name only, Hector is back in the studio with us. Hello, Hector. How are you doing? Hello, Limerick, and hello, Joe. How's things? Good, good, good. I was at the Rugby World Cup. Uh, we did, a, well, we started doing Chasing the Lions in 2005, and uh, we did an alternative look at the, uh, the New Zealand the Lions tour. Then we went to the World Cup in 2007 in... Uh, for, uh, with Ireland and the Lions turn in 2009 so I know how it feels to be at a World Cup how exciting is it that it kicks off on Friday incredible it's brilliant isn't brilliant. it brilliant brilliant and you were talking about your great passion the bit of coaching that uh, you're doing Gaelic football and you, you were, we were actually just chatting about of all things we were talking about manners weren't we manners during the <laughs> no yeah I was making a point that when a young lad comes up to you or uh, after a training session and they're 18 and 19 I've been training a bunch of lads in Clare Galway in Galway since they were 8 or 9 they're all young men now this is my final year with them they're all about to embark on adult football 19s junior C junior B junior A intermediate or if they're good enough to go up to senior so my journey as a juvenile coach is coming to an end but when these lads come up at 18 or 19 and still say thanks a million after a training session whether it's a wet evening or a misty evening or a dry evening at the local pitch wherever you are around the country when a kid comes up and says thank you after it that's why we're doing it and that's why there's thousands of of people involved in the GA in their local club that's what it's all about manners respect and good young people Mm. And you had the leaving cert in your house this year. Yeah, leaving cert and another lad just going in. One lad starting, one lad laughing at him as he's lying in bed. I can hear him shouting down to you at eight o'clock in the morning. So my eldest boy is just on the leaving, uh, Rian, and uh, delighted to say that he is, uh, he's skipped NUIG and he's on the way to UL. So we're very happy in the house that there's a, no, a number of his friends are all coming down to UL. So they're looking forward to that. Uh, and their adventures in the city await. Fantastic, delighted you live a yeah. fat, brilliant time here. That's a, it's a huge moment, isn't it? Doing the leaving and, and then and then getting to college and all that journey. So that's the chapter that's starting for him. And thankfully managed to get some accommodation. Luckily, oh, delighted over the moon that he's, he's sorted. He has a bed to lay his head and do a little bit of study. Tell me, would you have fancied at all a cut off hosting the Late Late Show? No, not in the, not in the slightest. Uh, uh, I, you're not the first person to ask me that. I saw in the bookmakers there was all sorts of odds floating around there there was 50 to 1 at one stage I said to friends lads wait till it goes to 100 1 and have a little nibble on it but nah no interest in that uh, the late late I think it's a funny old world the way it's all gone there and uh, the way the changes have happened and that it's a brand new late late show coming on in two weeks time where the whole country will be glued into it and uh, no never entered into my head I, I, I was flattered that I was even in the betting for it but I'm too busy coaching and doing my podcast and travelling the world, so I have plenty on at the moment. Have you ever come across Keelty? Uh, never met Patrick Keelty in my life. Uh, and I did like his interview on the late, late on the Tommy Tiernan yeah. chat show with Tommy. I really thought there was a very informative, uh, passionate um, interview with Patrick and his take on, on, on a part of the country that, again, that's only up just up the road. That, but for me, growing up in Navin, could have been in Timbuktu. I mean, the stuff that goes on in the 70s and 80s there, the horrific atrocities that was happening, it could have been on the other side of the planet, but yet it was only less than 70, 80, 100 miles up the road from us. So he gave us a different slant on it, and uh, I wish him the best of luck, and good luck to him. It's a whole new world, a fresh new late late show. It strikes me that he wanted it, but didn't really need it, but he seems to have a passion for maybe doing the show. 
yeah, who knows and how it's going to feel and how he's going to feel. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure on that. The whole country's going to be watching. I mean, it's it's in the DNA of every man, woman and child in this country for decades. And uh, we'll see the whole country, as I say. They'll be glued in on Friday week. I think it's back. Hector, you have a great passion for travel and it stays with you, doesn't it? Well, when you get to Dublin Airport and you're all swanky, you have the clean pair of jeans on, you might have a new pair of runners and you have a few quid in your pocket and you have the suitcase packed. It doesn't matter if you're going to Lanzarote or Lisbon or Lebanon. There's a really nice feeling when you get to the airport. I get that feeling when I see Roscoe coming through the double doors with more and more flight cases and more and more cameras. And then Evan arrives and we just give it a hug and then we go, right, where, right, okay, Dubai. Let's get to Dubai first. Eight hours to Dubai, nine hours to Dubai. Then we get to Dubai. Then we have a five-hour stopover and then we fly 10 hours to Manila. Then we get to Manila and we film in Manila and all over the Philippines. But on the Papua New Guinea trip, for example, that's on this series, it took us 29 hours of flights. Eight hours to Dubai, 10 hours to Manila and seven hours down into the second biggest island in the world, an unknown world. This was like Jurassic Park, Papua New Guinea. So on this trip that starts next Thursday, we've gone further than anywhere ever before. When I was in the Solomon Islands, I was 15,500 kilometres from my door in Clare Galway. I was on the other side of the planet in a lost world in the South Pacific. And I think the audience on TG Car that we've grown up with and that, that, that know our shows are coming with us on these adventures every year and they're, they're, they want to go further and further and further afield. So I, if, you, if you don't get a buzz for that, Joe, what can you get a buzz for? Do you actually enjoy flying? Uh, yeah, we have it down to a, f- a fine art now. We might have an old pint before we get on the plane uh, and then a bit of food, glass of wine. You can't really think about a 10-hour flight. You just have to go with it. You know, if you get with if you get a, f- a full feature film in, and if you have your box set or something on your on your on your phone or on your laptop, you can certainly while away a couple of hours, and then of course a little bit of sleep. But uh, lucky enough, all the flying has gone well over the last twenty three years on TG Car, and some of the longest flights we've done is fifteen hours, seventeen hours, Tokyo to Amsterdam, and you just it's an amazing, it's an ama- I never lose. Uh, sight of the fact that I'm a very lucky person and, and, and if you, I'm excited when I get on a plane to get to new places. Right. We're chatting to Hector about his new TG Cahar series uh, starting this week on the Philippines, Godina, Solomons and lots of places in between. Yeah. Starting in the Philippines, 7,000 islands, a huge archipelago of, it's out, way out, way out past Taiwan, out the far side of Vietnam and then out you go to the Philippines. And I suppose we have a connection in this country there are thousands of Filipinos working in Ireland uh, with big hearts, with caring hands, who are minding people up and down the country. And I went into the DNA of the Filipino people to find out, you know, what is that connection? Why do we like them so much? And why are they so so kind and uh, so caring? And they're an amazing people. They are a unique... Uh, it's a unique country. It's a Catholic country. It was invaded by the Spanish and colonised. But they're so passionate about, about life over there. Life is so simple in the Philippines. I mean... On one of the shows two years ago, we met a Filipino lady in Sally Noggin who came here in the 70s, who started working. Uh, her mum was working in a house in Dawkey. And we met this lady in Sally Noggin who has now got her own family. And she's so connected with her family back in the Philippines. And like we send the box at Christmas time of tato crisps, the, the packet of biscuits, the tea bags, the, all the stuff that we send all over the world. Well, the Filipinos do it exactly the same. It's called the Balakayan box. But they send it from where they are around the world back to the Philippines. And it's a huge tradition. 
but imagine that I met a Filipino woman in Sally Noggin and sat in her back garden during lockdown and spoke about her life as a Filipino who came here in the 70s and she spoke about her family in the Philippines. And I said, well, in about a year and a half's time, I think I will be in the Philippines. I'm going to make contact with your family. So I knocked on their door and I walked in on camera and I saw this amazing and met this amazing family and extended family. And so what we did was we went down to the local supermarket in the Philippines and we filled it full of all the goodies that she wouldn't get in Sally Noggin. And we sent the Balakayan box, the reverse journey, all the way across the world from Manila to Sally Noggin. So it's a brilliant. This opening show is going to be great. The Philippines, between cockfighting and mass weddings and Balakayan box. Uh, it's, we, we, we like these stories, Joe. We like just finding good, earthy people stories. Yeah, and the thing is, Hector, there are some amazing communities. I mean, in Limerick, including rural parts of Limerick, I'm aware of Filipino communities, and we had someone sitting where you are now, part of the Brazilian community in Limerick. It is fascinating. Yeah, and that they're all very happy and proud to be in Ireland, and, and that they're working away here. And, and providing a very important service for whatever whatever nationality they are. We have to open our eyes to the great people that are living in our country. We have a great country. And all these people are coming in from all over the world. Uh, that's why I did that series of uh, Hector Aranua two years ago, to show the variety and the richness and the, the great people that are living in all over the country, not only in the cities, but in the towns and the villages. But the Philippi- Filipino people are special people. And do you come across... Irish people on your travels in the oddest of places as well. We might get the odd. We very, very. We're getting more remote. It's very. I remember I was in. I was in Lima. No, I was in Bolivia in La Paz, and we were checking in, and we were told about the air, the altitude, and we knew we were going to get sick the minute we landed. So the minute we landed in 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 La Paz, we got this altitude sickness. You're seven and a half thousand feet high, meters high. And then all of a sudden you get this altitude sickness. So I was feeling queasy. Roscoe's already having a puke at the airport. And then we, we it was just really strong uh, altitude sickness. We were checking into this hostel in the middle of La Paz. I was feeling like I had the worst hangover. I, oh my God, altitude sickness was terrible. We're standing there trying to f- put in stupid phone numbers. What's your phone number? And add your email and then fill in these forms. And then all I heard to my right was, how are you, Hector? How's it going, are we? Are you over for a while? And is in the middle of La Paz on the other side of the world. So we do bump into Irish people the odd time, but not as much. I'm more interested in bumping into the locals. Yeah, that's in, that's fascinating, isn't it? Because there, there is that Irish tendency. People will move abroad and often won't move out into the wider communities, particularly if there's a strong Irish contingent there. Yeah, Canada, Australia, places like that where there are strong and there's strong and in, in America. But for us... I suppose when you get to deep into Malaysia or Indonesia and places like that, Kuala Lumpur, Singapore, Jakarta, you know, it's it's very very few tourists that we 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 don't hang around with. That we we're going deeper. We are definitely looking for the locals because it's the locals then that will give us the best stories. And we've been working on these stories for six months, and then we find stories on the go because the driver of the jeep in Indonesia has come up with a good idea, or he wants to go down this road in the jungle to show us something, and that's where we get our best stories. Right. Uh, and uh, tell us where else you have travelled on this So, so this one starts in the Philippines on Thursday night. Then we head into Malaysia, all the way through Malaysia, an amazing country. Then down into Singapore. Singapore, a city at the tip of Malaysia. Five million people in an area the size of County Loud. This is the future. I've seen the futuristic cities. Forget about New York and Dubai and all these. Singapore is an amazing place to see. A very unique place to see where they reward you on the birth of your children. On the birth of your fifth fifth child, you get a $25,000 bonus from the government. 
they need workers to keep the economy going. There's a lot of undocumented Bangladeshi and Indian workers coming down building these lovely seven-star hotels. So we go down that road as well. If you have a Fitbit in Singapore and you do a certain amount of steps, you'll get a $100 bonus at the end of the month. <laughs> They'll only allow 10,000 new cars a year. If your car is over 10 years old, it's scrapped automatically. If your lorry or van is over 10 years of old, it's off the road. They only give out a couple of hundred driving licenses a year. To buy a normal car that you would pay 25,000 for in Ireland, you pay almost 150,000 euro for it in Singapore. They don't want cars. Right. There's five trees to every person. You go into an industrial estate in Singapore, you feel like you're in the middle of the Amazon jungle because there's trees and water everywhere. The Singaporeans have a trillion dollar sovereign fund and they're able to do things. There's no delays on the buses, no delays on the metro. There's every amenity you need beside you. It's it's like a slice of the future, but after eight days, I was there going, I've had enough. Why? Because it was too clean, it was too nice, it was too modern, it was clinical. Life was clinical. It was almost like Big Brother was watching you. Right. Did you boil there? Wasn't it very warm? Very sticky, very yeah, sticky. sticky. And we met a man from who used to work in Galway, uh, used to live in Ornmore, who's now making some of the, an architect who's making some of the most amazing buildings and bridges in Singapore. And his father were, worked in Digicel or Digital back in the day. So, and there's your Irish connection. But again, from Singapore, we head into Indonesia, a fifth of the world's equator, the fifth biggest economy in the world, 17,500 islands in Indonesia. It's amazing. It's just out of this world. But we knew, Joe, that we were heading on the bigger picture to try and get to an island that nobody goes to. I mean, you Google Papua New Guinea, it will say danger. Do not go there. Tourists not welcome. Kidnapping. Everything happens in Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea is the final frontier. I've been all over Africa, but I have never seen such an amazing, vast island of Papua New Guinea. And what did they make of Hector? Uh, Once I shook hands with these Polynesian, Polynesian people... They, they they smiled. They're small. They're strong in stature. They're Samoan. They've got that Fijian blood. You'll see the Fijians. The Fijians bet the English a couple of weeks ago in Twickenham last week. I mean, these are strong, proud, South Pacific people. And I went deeper and deeper into Papua New Guinea. It was an incredible eight or nine days. We had an incredible uh, driver from the highlands. You either live in the mountain areas or you live by the coast. You cannot drive anywhere. There's no roads. It's all by plane. I mean, we flew in over Papua New Guinea. It was like Jurassic Park. David Attenborough has done five specials on Papua New Guinea. There are birds and insects and flora and wildlife found in no other part of the world that's in Papua New Guinea. Amazing. It was an honour for me to get there and have, an. I I think, something that's going to really... That Irish people and our audience on TGCAR, when they watch this, they'll go, wow, that was de- that was good. That was good. Surely they've heard of Limerick's four in a row there. <laughs> yeah. There was a picture of Keane and all the boys there at the airport as you arrive in. <laughs> Sponsored by a mobile phone company or something. But uh, no. You were telling them anyway. I'll sure tell you, you one thing, though. I, I'll, te- I'll tell you're you. You're only delighted. I can see it in your face. I'll tell you, if you've got a problem, you see the video here now. He's loving this. Strong, <laughs> that strong Polynesian DAA. You can say the same thing about the strong Limerick. DNA when you pick a stick up in your hand uh, who knows who knows you could start a, a hurling team down there and what about obviously you're doing this in Irish so are they interested do they have any sense of the difference no, the, no. you see Joe when I'm standing in a fish market on, in the yeah. edge of town and I'm speaking to the cameras they, they don't they, they just hear a, a language because yes. to them you know they speak a pidgin English uh, which was brought in by the Dutch and the English colonisers many many years ago and they, it's almost with an Australian twang but when they hear a language wherever we were in Malaysia they don't, they don't say anything but obviously when I can try and 
and converse with the locals, we try and converse in whatever English we have. And sometimes language is not even needed because when you're sitting in the middle of a rice field in Bali with a farmer who's praying for rice, for to the rice god, for rain. I mean, we wanted to do a, sh- a piece in Bali in the mountains in these beautiful paddy fields and it rained for about four hours solid. And when I thought I saw rain in Galway, I saw rain in Bali. But then he went out and made an offering in the side of his paddy field, a little simple offering to the rice god. And then we sat back with this farmer and we talked about his life and his way his grandfather and his great-grandfather farmed the land. And all he's interested in is his rice harvest. Because if he has his rice harvest, then his family will eat. When you break down life like that, about Mother Nature and food on the table, it's a very simple life. Unfortunately, life is too fast on this side of the world. And technology has sped us up way, way too quick where we, we don't let, allow us to breathe and say what's important today. Mm. Hector, what's the passion, the motivation, can you maintain the enthusiasm? Oh, listen, uh, uh, when you meet great people, uh, there's a karma of people, Joe. I'm telling you, this is why we're here. If you meet great people, whether it's on the sideline of the pitch or coming out of mass or at the local coffee shop where you just bump into somebody and have a great chat, you know when you meet good people. Good people make the world go round. Language makes the world go round. And I'm proud and honoured. How would have I ever dreamt to have been into 105 countries or 23 years travelling on TG Car. I mean, people have grown up with our show. There were teenagers who were who were watching our show who are now young parents married with kids who still sit down and watch Hector. And I'm very proud that some that, that people love our show and that it exists in the parish of TG Car, a station I'm very, very proud of, and that I can bring the Irish language with me all over the world because language makes the world go round. Now, you mentioned sitting in that house in Dublin and saying, oh, I think I'm going to be in the Philippines in 18 months. So do you know where you'll be 18 months from yeah, now? Yeah, we're planning We're planning our next series. We plan. A, we film every autumn and winter time, and then the, next, the following year that show goes out. So this this whole series, we left for the, for the Philippines on the 6th of October before Christmas. We, spent, we were in Indonesia in December. We were in Singapore and Malaysia towards the end of January, and then we filmed through Papua New Guinea and Solomon Islands was a big trip, and that was filmed in April going into May. So all the work, there's about 10 people working on the show, getting it ready and editors, sound mixers and graders and everything. It's a big team behind it and it's, you know, it's not just Hector or Roscoe or Evan on the road. There's a, a big team behind it that, that makes the documentary stand out. Yeah, you must have a very patient family. I mean, you're like a, a member of the Defence Forces on <laughs> tours, aren't you? Six or eight months at well, a time. Roscoe started working on SAS Who Days Wins on Channel 4, so he's all dressed like he's in the military now, but <laughs> I'm married to a, I, uh, I'm married to a, a lady from Bear, Dura Bearfield in County Clare, uh, a small, proud Hurland parish. A bit of football in the parish as well, so I'm steeped. Uh, my mother was a Galway, my dad was Navin, and my wife is County Clare. Between Mead and Galway and Clare, there's a good DNA in my young lad's going through there now so my wife is very patient Uh, I'll tell you a good story for a long time I was saying behind every good man is a good woman and then I thought that was a great statement until I was in Mississippi about four years ago we were travelling on one of the shows all the way through the southern states and I'm in Mississippi doing a show in Selma the famous bridge where the activists were killed on the bridge back in the 60s many many people lost their lives there that day Uh, and a movie was made about it I think Oprah Winfrey starred in the movie called Selma So I met a few of the survivors who are now in their late 60s and 70s by the bridge in this rural town by the river in Mississippi. A run-down, ramshackle town that's been neglected by the government. Nothing happened in it. And it was sad to see. But later that afternoon in Selma, I was invited in to meet the first African-American female judge in Mississippi. 
Now let's just let's just take a second here. Yeah. This is Mississippi. This is the first African American female judge. Wow. She invited me into her, onto her veranda for tea. Amazing. So I'm sitting there and she goes, tell me before we before we start talking, tell me about you. It says here you've been traveling for 19, 20 years around the world. You must have a very, how do you, how do you get away with that? Do you have a family? I said, I do. He says, do you have a wife? I do. And children? I do. Tell me about your wife. I said, well, she's from County Clare. And uh, I said, look, do you know what? It's a military operation. It's all about give and take and stuff like that. And when I go and when I'm home, I'm home. And I said, behind every good man is a good, and she, she put her hand in my lap. And she said, I'll stop you there. It's not behind every good man. It's beside every good man is an even better woman. And when it, when that woman, that judge in Mississippi put her hand on my knee, it that was like vroomph. And I, I've been telling I've been telling That's that story, story ever since. Oh man, brilliant. Tell me one other thing, right? Because you've been around the world so much um as an Irish person and you know this thing comes around every year around St. Patrick's Day and there's often this controversy of why are we sending the politicians to X, Y and Z and representing us and, you know, what about the parades and are we overdoing it and are we loved or are we hated? Or, you know, is this a good brand or a bad brand? What it is to be Irish in 2023? How do you react to that? I think, um, I think, I think we should never underestimate how incredible, incredibly famous this little island is when you are all over the world because people love this island for so many things and there's so many people that left this place because they'd no, they'd no rice on the table and they'd no dinner. I mean, Mayo, all those western counties, Mayo that lost millions over the years. I mean, before the famine, we were 8 million people in a proud, happy, pagan world. I mean, because of emigration... There are so many things that have happened and we've, we've, we've made an imprint on so many countries. I think it's a very powerful calling card. It still is for us that there is a smile when people here were from Ireland. It doesn't matter where we are. Even in Papua New Guinea, when I was in the middle of these Polynesians, these tough tribal Polynesian people, when I said I was from Ireland, the first thing we spoke about was rugby because rugby is God in the South Pacific. Fiji, Samoa, Australia, the Super Rugby League, New Zealand. These are South Pacific islands and the best players in Papua New Guinea go and play in the NRL in, in Australia. When we talk, talked about Ireland, I turned around and said, it, but hey, we're the number one rugby team in the world. They knew all of that. They knew some of our players. So we can't underestimate how incredibly popular and how great this country has been for many decades around the world. And long may it continue. I think we love bad news in this country. We love beating ourselves with a stick. You know what I mean? We 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 have an amazing place here. We have a, we're a unique people, and we always have been. And our generations that went to America to find a better life, or Canada, or Australia. I mean, the, the, what they have done for the country and stuff like that's incredible. So we have a great calling card, and we should be always be proud of our country and our language. All right. Well, listen, you've certainly started my week off. Uh, on a very good uh, note talking to you always always find that Hector you're great and uh, long may you continue so the latest series starts uh, the 7th it's Thursday isn't it 9.30 and uh, it's on the Philippines Godina Solomons beginning with the Philippines and uh, then running across as you heard many of the areas um, and we hope uh, that uh, your young fellow enjoys Limerick enjoys his college experience here as well Hector I, mean, I tell you one welcome. thing I don't know if we'll hear much about the college adventures but at least he's he's heading down Joe Gramila Morgan is on the red talk to Shock and Joe Live 95 August Mass Moore a Golamak the Dean Limbrick Posse Gramila Margaret Your views Your news Your Limerick today with Joe Nash on Live 95